I heard a report on the uh, news the other day that took me back to the days of the presidential, the last presidential elections. And it was about uh, President Obama's birth. There are still some, I guess, some conspiracy theorists and others who keep this issue alive. And the issue is really about where he was born and if he was actually born a U.S. citizen. Because if he's not, then he can't be president of the United States. So there are people who continue to look and try to find ways to uh, discredit his birth. But also in, in the news is still this issue about immigration. In fact, it's going to be in the news from now on uh, as we continue to deal with issues that relate to immigration. And the idea behind that is that uh, you, you really can't come into this country and uh, participate in the things that we have in our nation, or you shouldn't be able to, according to uh, the folks who, who push this issue. Uh, you shouldn't be able to have access to education or health care or any of the other things that we have here in the United States unless you were born here or unless you came through legal means. So this continues to be a really big issue. And it's one that we need to talk about as a church in days ahead as well so that we can be sure to express our voice in this, especially as we have immigrants coming into our neighborhood right here under our very own noses. But this is an issue. And it really has to do with birth, about where we are born and what that birth means for us. Well, this kind of issue was going on in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Did you hear it in the text today? There's all this about being born, whether you're born from above or born from below or wherever it is that you're born, it has everything to do with who you are and where you are. Jesus weighs in on this birth issue with Nicodemus. And he helps him to understand about entering into the kingdom of God and enjoying the, all the benefits of living in the kingdom. But how this all came and comes as a result of one's birth and the right kind of birth. Well, I love the story of Nicodemus. And the story of Nicodemus really gets even, even better. Now, he doesn't look too fun. I mean, you wouldn't hang out with this guy, would you? Say, hey, Nicodemus, let's, let's go out for, uh, for dinner or something. I mean, he looks kind of spooky right here. But this, this is Nicodemus, and probably there's a little bit better uh, image of him here, uh, more of a, uh, the seeker that Nicodemus was. But something is going on deep inside of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a seeker. He is longing to learn a little bit more about this Jesus. Now, Nicodemus is a Sadducee. We talk about the Pharisees all the time, but there was this other group as well called the Sadducees. And it was a, a very elite group uh, within Judaism, and they studied the law, and they participated in, in what they felt like God was calling them to do, especially as it related to the kingdom of God. And so they, they, they became experts on the law, and they were looking for the Messiah to come, one who would usher in the kingdom of God. Well, they continued to hear these people who were coming into town and coming into the synagogue declaring themselves to be the Messiah. And they were all dismissed as being crazy people or, or people who just self-deluded, deranged. And yet here comes this Jesus. And he is proclaiming the kingdom of God. In fact, his very first sermon, he picked up the scroll and he says, this is interpreted, I mean, this has, has been fulfilled today in your hearing. And so they're paying attention to what Jesus has to say. Nicodemus begins to seek out Jesus and his soul becomes so thirsty for the kingdom of God and he, he realizes Jesus is slating that thirst. There are things that Jesus is saying and doing 
that help him understand there's something more about this Jesus, something more I need to, to find out and to understand. And so there seems to be no doubt that he not only was seeing Jesus in the kingdom, he was seeing the kingdom in Jesus. Everything he understood from his childhood, from his days of, of studying the law and studying about the kingdom, were coming true in this Jesus Christ. And so he goes out looking for him. Well, as Nicodemus, Nicodemus visited with Jesus, we should just call him Nick, right? Wouldn't that be easier? As Nick visited with Jesus, his view of the kingdom was challenged. He began to understand some things from Jesus that really didn't make a lot of sense. For Nicodemus, the, the kingdom of God would, would come because of the observance of the law and only for those who had been born into the right nation or into the right religion. It was about being one of God's people. I mean, the other people, outside of their religion, they really didn't have much of a chance. It was all about being one of them. Perhaps this is what was leading Nicodemus out into the late of the night with questions. What he was living for and by left him empty. He had no sense of fulfillment in any of that. And so he goes out searching for something more. And Jesus knows this. Jesus had these kinds of people around him all the time, and he's picking up on this with Nicodemus. And so he welcomes him into this conversation, and in this painting, you, you really get the idea that Jesus is really just uh, loving this conversation that he has with Nicodemus. And there are so many others that were like him, but Nicodemus is the only one who comes out to find him. But what he comes to understand that day is that the kingdom wasn't about his law, it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about being born in the right nation or in the right religion. It was all about love. It was all about God's unconditional, supreme kind of love that he had for people not only like Nicodemus, but for the entire world. That the world would not perish in the waste of their lives, but would experience real and eternal life forever. And this kind of life, as they would understand it in their hearing, was not just about going to heaven. It was about the kind of life to be enjoyed right here on this earth, on this planet. Jesus presented all this to Nicodemus in a way that would get him seeking even more, in a way that Jesus loves to do uh, with, with everyone around him who's asking questions. He, he, he leads them on a little bit and gives them some things to think about. This is what took place with him. He tells Nicodemus that this kind of birth is not going to come in a way that he's thinking about. It's not going to come through flesh and through blood. The birth canal for such a birth was his belief. His belief in what God was doing in his very midst through Jesus. We read this verse all the time. I mean, this is the verse that's displayed at football games. There's always some kind of a, a guy with a big wig on in the end zone, you know, holding a sign that says what? John 3.16, it's also, you probably will see it in March Madness if you look out, there's somebody holding up a sign that says John 3.16. That seems to sum it all up, doesn't it? Well, it did for Jesus, and it was to sum it all up for Nicodemus as well. For God so loved the whole world. Not just you, Nicodemus, not just your people or your group of Sadducees or the people you think are important. For God so loved the whole world that whoever, what, believes in him. Nicodemus, it is all about belief. And if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, there's nothing you can do other than belief. Belief. Nicodemus really tried to make it harder than it really was. He, he begins to question Jesus. Well, 
you know, I, I've been born once from my mother's womb. How could I be born again? I think you really wanted to know. Jesus, what are you talking about? You always had these crazy statements, and I don't understand this one. So we like to make it hard too, don't we? I read a story this week that reminded me of how children understand these spiritual things much better than we do as adults. So if you're a child in here today, or if you just act like one, uh, pat yourself on the back a little bit this morning. The story is told of a Sunday school teacher who wanted to explain to the six-year-olds in his class what someone had to do in order to get to heaven. Those kinds of uh, lessons in, in a class are always fun, right? So uh, the, the, he begins to, to talk to them about uh, how kids could discover what, what they already believed and, and something that they already knew. So he asked these questions. If I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church, he asked, would that get me into heaven? No, the children answered. The teacher was encouraged by this. If I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well then, he said, if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children, and, and if I loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? And, and the, again, the children shouted, no. Well then, the teacher asked, looking out over his class and feeling encouraged that he was headed in the right direction. How can I get to heaven? A boy in the back row stood up and shouted, you've got to be dead. <laughs> Seemed simple enough for this kid, didn't it? You've got to be dead. If we admit it this morning, we are a lot like these kids, as well as Nicodemus, searching for the answer about how to get, heaven, how to, how to get to heaven, how to get into the kingdom of God, and thinking all along that we have the answer. But we, like Nicodemus, should know the answer. But we don't. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you as a leader within your own religion, you ought to know. You have handled the very words of God. It is not about all of this law and, and everything that you're trying to do. It's about what God has done and is doing for you. And so we need to understand this as well. We can be glad this morning, though, we get the answer to that question in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. As we ask, what must I do to be saved? How do I get into this kingdom of heaven? It comes for us like it did for Nicodemus, by seeing the kingdom in Jesus. Lent provides us with a great opportunity to do that, to slow down our lives, to devote more time to quiet reflection and, and to contemplation, and to seek Jesus out in the still of the night of our lives. I wonder if this is happening in your life. So many times it's not happening in mine. Uh, I, as I was going to bed last night, I saw uh, something on the news about the super moon. And as you know, I'm always out gazing into the skies for different things. And I thought, well, I haven't seen the super moon tonight. I want to see it. So I, I went back outside. I got dressed first, went back outside, went outside and looked up and saw the super moon. Now, I just thought it looks like the moon. It didn't seem to be too super to me. Uh, didn't look like, you know, a bright orange Carolina moon or anything like that. But, you know, it was nice. And so I went on to bed. But it reminded me, uh, as, I, as I got up this morning, started thinking about that. So many times we just drift through this season, this preparation time for Easter, not stopping to pay attention. 
A friend of mine, uh, I was at a baseball practice the other day over at St. John's, and a friend of mine came by, and he was headed uh, not out to practice, but he got his son, and they were headed into uh, the cathedral. And I said, well, you know, what, what's going on there in, in church? Seems like you Catholics are always having some kind of church service. And he said, well, yeah, it's the Stations of the Cross. He said, uh, it just lasts about 30 minutes. Do, do you want to come and, and uh, participate? And I thought, yeah, it would be great. I, I, because practice was getting ready to end, I didn't get a chance to do that. But I thought, here he is participating in, in observance of Lent and paying attention to the Stations of the Cross. We need to pay attention. We need to see the kingdom in Jesus. Not just seeing Jesus in the kingdom, but seeing the kingdom in Jesus. We need to take time and, and to be still and to, to notice how Jesus exhibits the kingdom with his miracles, with his compassion, with his actions of justice, with his inclusion of all kinds of people, those who are deemed as sinners and those who are deemed as outsiders, to pay attention in the scripture that we're hearing and that we're reading. What is Jesus doing? What is all this kingdom business about. Our meeting with Jesus reveals to us that, that the kingdom of God is all about God's incredible love for us. And not just for us, but it's for the whole world. Again, Jesus said, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. God's kingdom is all about God's love entering into our lives and into this world. Lived out every day in the daily issues of life just as fervently as it will be lived out one day on the streets of gold and heaven. It's about God's kingdom entering into this world with what we do with our missional ministry teams, with what we do in our conversations with our neighbors, with what we do with our individual lives. We realize that the rules and regulations of our religion, our church, our denomination that we belong to, the kind of of values that we maintain in this world, the material things that we long for, they just don't fill us up any longer. When we see the kingdom, we find out what really matters. It's all about love, and it's about real life. What we see later, after the cross, is the fulfillment of this reality for Nicodemus. Don't put away Nicodemus yet. He shows up again right after Easter. There's a neat little surprise there as Nicodemus no longer runs around in the night but we, we understand becomes a true follower of Jesus Christ. And we can find the same truth for our lives today as well. So we get into this wonderful kingdom by getting born from above. It's as simple as that. And this birth from above comes through belief in Jesus Belief here means exactly what it did for Nicodemus. It's not just about academic assent or adding some new doctrine into our core beliefs. It is coming alive to a relationship with the King of the Kingdom through His Son, Jesus. It is trusting in God for the life He gives your life rather than the birth of this world. For some, this happens in, in a very radical sense like it did for the Apostle Paul. He had this new second birth just all of a sudden as he's out on the road to Damascus. As this bright light shines all around him and he encounters the living Christ. But for others, the gestational period is much longer. It's a gradual process like it was for Nicodemus. It's a matter of searching and looking and listening and finally opening up to the birth from above that comes from God. 
So what is it for you? How has it happened for you? Or maybe I should ask, has it happened? Have you been born from above? Have you allowed God's his love and his grace to flow into your life in such a way that you can't find it in anything in this world? Well, the neat thing is that however it happens, everyone gets a birth certificate from above. You, you get access to citizenship, and God blesses you with the certificate. Anderson Cooper had a story not long ago about a guy named Wilfredo Garza, who lived a life as an illegal immigrant for more than 35 years. Year after year, he eked out a living, crossing the border uh, from Mexico into the United States. Some days finding work, other days not. Regardless, he was constantly looking over his shoulder. He was caught by the Border Patrol four times during that period and bust back to Mexico every time. Undeterred by each apprehension, he swam back across the Rio Grande to try again, as so many do day after day. The cycle would likely have continued for several more years if not for an amazing discovery. As Anderson Cooper notes, he says, one day Wilfredo worked up the courage to walk into an immigration lawyer's office. There, incredibly, he found that his father was born in Texas and spent time working there, which meant that Wilfredo was actually a U.S. citizen. All these years, he possessed the very papers, his father's birth certificate and work records. All of this that provided, that, I mean, that proved his citizenship. And yet he lived those 35 years in guilt and in fear. Now he has a certificate of citizenship. Now he doesn't have to sneak across the border. He can walk through the main gate. I like that imagery. Walking through the main gate, all because of who his father was and what he had done. And the message for us this morning is good news, that we can enter into and in through the main gate, all because of who our Father is and what our Father has done for us, all through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God, we come to you this morning recognizing your incredible